You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 4. If you want to get your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Go ahead and stay seated, though. We're going to be uh, covering a little bit, and I'll... uh, of a longer passage, but I'll be stopping to make some comments here and there just for clarity's sake, so if you just remain seated, that'd be perfect and all right in my book. As we find our place there in Exodus chapter 4, we're going to start reading down at verse 18, so Exodus chapter 4, down there at verse number 18. We'll start, go ahead and start reading there when it says, And Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said unto him, Let me go, I pray thee, and return unto my brethren which are in Egypt, and see whether they yet be alive, or they be yet alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. And the Lord said unto Moses and Midian, Go, return into Egypt, for all the men are dead which sought thy life. The reason there was people in Egypt seeking Moses' life The reason he's in Midian to begin with and not in Egypt with God's people is because Moses had murdered a man um, and he was in in exile from Egypt. So he's in Midian and the people, the rain, the the people that were uh, out to kill him and make him pay for the crime that he had done had now passed off the scene. So he was now safe again. The Lord reassuring Moses that it's okay to go back. Pick up in the end of verse 20. And Moses took the rod... Uh, actually, sorry, verse 20 at the beginning there. And Moses took his wife and his sons and set them upon an ass, and he returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. And the Lord said unto Moses, When, you, when thou goest to return into Egypt, see that thou do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in thine hand. But I will harden his heart, that he shall not let the people go. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, let my son go, that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. And skip down to verse 27, and we'll finish this this little story here, this narrative, where it says, And the Lord said unto Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. And he went and met him in the mount of God and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord who had sent him and all the signs which he had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spake all the words which the Lord had spoken unto Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked upon their affliction Then they bowed their heads and worshipped. I am not good at titles, but for the sake of having a title, because you need something to name the live stream video, otherwise it just says Nate Lorton, and that could be intimidating to somebody who may be scrolling through. Follow all the instructions. Follow all the instructions. We'll just pray real quick, and then we'll get into the message this evening. Lord, I am grateful for this opportunity to be here. 
You know my heart, Lord, and I just want to present, Lord, the truth from your word. And it is profitable for us, Lord, for many things in life, for every aspect, Lord. Uh, the answer is in the Bible. And I pray that you just help us tonight. Help me to be clear, slow my thoughts, and help me to focus, Lord. I pray that you just use this message in a way to touch and impact someone's life here, Lord. We ask all these things in your precious name. Amen. Now, when I was 16, I got my first job. Does anybody remember their first job? Like, people usually remember their, see, everybody, most everybody, unless you haven't gotten a job yet, then I'm sorry. First jobs are great. First jobs usually equal, always equal first paychecks, and getting that first paycheck is glorious, even though it's like $30. But I remember my first job. I was 16 years old. I worked at a place back home called Lee's Famous Recipe Chicken. It is a mouthful. But... It's basically this. It's just a way better KFC than, than, ever, than whatever KFC ever does. So whatever they do, we do way better, and it's fantastic. It's a local place, and, I worked, and I've been employed there. Technically still employed there, I guess, I think. I've never been fired, um, so I guess I'm technically still employed there. But for six years, I've worked there, and uh, we had all this amazing food, and it can't, turned into like a comfort food for me. One of the things that they did that, that we served there that I still love when it's done right is chicken livers. Do we have anybody that likes fried chicken livers in here? I see a total of like six people, and that is not friendly company. Six on a lot is never a good number. But no, I like fried chicken livers. It's a little weird. I was telling my girlfriend last night, explaining this illustration to her, and she I, I, I literally got to the part where I said chicken livers, and she said, nope, I'm not listening to the rest of it. So <laughs> the only person I tried to work this illustration on, it, it did not go over very well. But no, we had fried chicken livers there, and I loved them. They tasted amazing. They were one of my favorite things to eat there when done, when done the right way. And I always took pride in my work, so when the time came, when they wanted to cross-train me, which just means to teach you the kitchen area, basically, because I was too young at the time when I got hired to work in the kitchen. Got old enough to be able to work back there with all the machinery or whatever, you know, OSHA, OSHA rules. But I got back there and I cross-trained so I could work both in the kitchen and up in the front of house just to make myself more valuable to the company. And like I mentioned, I took pride in my work. So one day when I went to cook some chicken livers, one of my favorite things, I made sure I took extra good care of them. I got them out of the cooler, put them in the marinade, and dipped them in the special uh, dip and rinsed them off and then breaded them, preheated the cooker, put them in the basket, cooked them for eight and a half minutes and pull them up after them and they are perfect. Put them in the warmer, ready to serve. My favorite thing ever. I was feeling pretty good about them. I take pride in that. And then my boss calls uh, later in the evening that day and he asked to speak to me. So I stroll up there and I pick up the phone. I'm like, hey, Dave, how you doing? He goes, good. Swung by there earlier, earlier this evening, got some chicken livers. They look amazing. And I was like, I know. <laughs> I saw them when they came out. And, he's, and I was joking with him, had a good rapport with him. And he said, they look amazing. They look perfect. You did a great job on them. I said, thank you. Except, what do you mean except? Then he proceeded to tell me that he had gotten a piece of gallbladder, which if you know anything about anatomy, I am not Jacob, so I am not fit to explain <laughs> human anatomy, let alone chicken anatomy. 
Basically, the chicken and gold, uh, in the chicken, the liver and the gallbladder are very close. Liver you can eat, gallbladder you cannot. That's disgusting. But every once in a while at the processing plant, every once in a while, very, very rarely, you would get these little, tiny, round little balls of gallbladder stuck on the side of your liver. And it's not a big deal. You usually just pull it off or you just cut that part of the liver off entirely. It's still good to use. But I didn't notice it. I went through all this trouble and prepared, prepared it, followed the recipe as best I could and made sure they looked perfect. But what happens, I didn't pay attention to the details. I didn't follow all the instructions. What had happened is that even though I thought I did everything right, I looked, I overlooked something that was of the utmost importance because if you do eat a piece of gallbladder, you will know it. It has bile and is very sickening and it will make you sick for a couple days. I know, gross, right? And I actually ended up getting a little scolded for it because, you know, <laughs> since my boss found it, he didn't find it, find it by looking at it, he found it in his mouth. <laughs> I know, even, even worse. This, this sermon's going great already, I can tell. Y'all are on my side. The six people that, that were on my side at the beginning are not anymore. But we all have some type of story like this where we took pride in something, whether it was at your first job or something that you, was one of your chores or it's just a hobby that you like doing where you thought you did everything to a T, you did it perfect, it looked great, but then you overlooked one little minor detail and it blew up the whole project, blew up the entire thing. It was now, all that work was for naught. This is actually one of the most detrimental things I've come to find in reading and, and, and talking to businessmen and, bus and reading after businesses across the world is a failure to follow all instructions. One of the most detrimental things in business, especially in food industry, to both read and apply the rules. In the military, the reason they have such a long boot camp is because they want to break your will and they want to teach you to do everything according to their commands, no questions asked. They stress the importance of following all the instructions and acting in obedience to the orders that, are, that they're given. The reason that the America military is one of the best on the planet is because of the rigorous preparation and conditions that they uh, force their soldiers to go through. Because in battle, if you hesitate on an order, your life might be in danger. The lives of your brothers and sisters out there on the field may be in danger. The, the civilians that they swore to protect might be in danger should they hesitate or not pay attention to every small little detail. So whether it's at work or it is in war, reliable things become compromised when you don't follow the instructions. So that's where we kind of come to this point in the passage where Moses is now being sent by God to leave his home, to go to Egypt to free his people. But if you're a child of Israel at this point, you've been in slavery for 400 years. You, that's all you've ever known. You've grown up in it. That's all you've ever known. I'm sure that they, they might have been thinking something like, uh, does God even care about us anymore? I thought we were God's children. Yet he's letting us sitting here suffering for now 400 years. Not their, their grandparents and their great-grandparents probably would have still been in some type of slavery. And it might have been disheartening. They probably were wondering, is he going to give us any new instructions or are we just going to sit here and die? 
But that's why the Lord sends Moses. And, Mo- and he sends Moses, the reason he does this is because God was going to deliver his people because he loved them. He, what, they, were, they are his people. The reason Moses was heading for Egypt in the first place, because of God's love. Their time in bondage to the world was ending. And Egypt, historically a picture of the world, the children of Israel living in the world because of their sin and disobedience. That's how they got there in the first place. But as it was mentioned down there in verse 22, the Lord mentions the children, the, the people of Israel as my son, his cherished son. His, like any good parent, God wanted to see his children, his child thrive and do well in life and to take hold of every opportunity that they could. So that's why Moses was sent. Moses also a children, a child of, child of God, an Israelite, a Jew. He was going back to the place where he grew up. But I'm sure he had some worries as well. What were people going to think of him? How was it all going to work? Were they going to hate him because he had left the people to begin with? But in this passage right here, verses 18 down through 23, where the Lord speak, where we see the Lord speaking to Moses twice, he's just reassuring him that before Moses even heads out on the job, um, the Lord gives him a, uh, a kind of reminder, uh, like a coach before a game, giving his team a prep, a prep, a prep rally and going, yeah, all right, guys, we're going we're gonna to get out there. We're going to hit them hard. I don't know what coaches say. I've never been in a locker room. But I assume I'll watch the sports movies. Of course, they always picture everything right in Hollywood. So they, so, you know, the coach gets up there and goes, you know, we're going to hit them hard. We're going to do this. We're going to do this play. Jason, make sure you stay on your line. And, and you, you, you just sit there and make sure you don't let the water bottles fall on the floor again, like last game, you know, cause that would be me sitting at the end of the bench. But the Lord's basically just giving Moses kind of encouraging him, making sure that he understands that, Hey, this is what I called you to do. I'm going to protect you. So go ahead and do it. And the two reminders really that he gives them in this passage is the first reminder is do what I told you to do. Down in verse 21. The Jews historically required a sign, so God was going to give them a sign. He had, in verse 4, there's a list of different things that the Lord had miracles he had performed with the rod and that Moses had seen. And God said, I'm going to do it again. Just trust me. Go do it. So the Lord, so the Lord at the beginning says, do what I told you to do. The second reminder is say what I told you to say. Is no matter what, he goes through the list again of things that are going to happen, but go ahead and say them because they're important. They're the words of God. The Lord said, my words will not return void. Do it. Get out there. Do what I, do what I told you to do. Say what I told you to say, and you'll be okay. God always keeps his promises. And as Moses was sent with all this on his mind, the weight of being God's messenger and the thought of his people being in bondage still, that he was going to deliver them of all people, we had to just remind ourselves this was a new job for him. It's not like he was born into leadership his entire life. He, he, he wasn't in Midian uh, leading, an, leading an army. He was, in, he, he was in Midian on an exile from, his, from the country that he had grown up in, caring for sheep. Not exactly the same as uh, being around people. But at least sheep don't talk back. So maybe that was a plus. But he had been tasked to do a job that he thought he was unqualified for. And that's why for almost two chapters, the Lord and Moses are going back and forth. And, and finally in chapter 4, at, towards the middle of chapter 4, right before where we picked up at tonight, 
Moses, is, Moses finally says, okay, God, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll say whatever you want you to say. But then you think he still has all this on his mind. It's weighing heavy on him. He was, had no experience. He was scared. He was nervous. He was worried, just like you were when you went to your first job. Really nervous, scared, worried. And how does he handle all this pressure? Well, rather well. Down in verse 31, where we read earlier, it said that the people believed. Why did the people believe? It was because Moses delivered the message that God commanded him to bring. Simple as that. The Lord said, hey, go. Moses said, okay. And then the Lord said, hey, make sure you do this. I know you're scared. Do it. Say it. It's important. And that's exactly what Moses did. And God delivered every time. Moses and Aaron, at the beginning here of this passage in verse 27 and 28, they meet and rehearse this all-important meeting that's going to take place. And they just want to make sure they got on the same page, or to be historically correct, the same scroll. As, as, so they made sure they were on the same page, so they're communicating the right message, the message from God. And they prepared and brought the message to the people. And then it says that Aaron, there down there in verse uh, 20, 29 and uh, 30, it says Aaron was the spokesperson at the time, where Aaron then spoke and did all that God commanded them to do. My dad always had a saying, it said, all means all, and that's all that all means. That's a lot of alls. I'm going to say it again for the purpose of clarity. All means all, and that's all that all means. Because my dad would go, pick up all the toys so I only, played with, I only played with half of them, and little brother played with the other half. How many do I have to pick up? I said all. How many is all? All means all, and that's all all means. I heard that growing up. It's really annoying, but I'm at that age where I'm just accepting that I'm turning into my parents. But we see that Aaron here says everything just like God told him to. And the word all in this passage means the whole. Complete, perfect everything. Didn't leave a word out, didn't add a word. He said exactly what the Lord told him. And the point of this all was essential. It's mentioned three times as being as in an action of like Moses and Aaron doing all, doing everything, making sure everything is correct. They knew that being on the same page was essential, and Moses knew the importance of not leaving out a part of God's command to his people. Because Aaron and Moses did everything just as God told them to, as we've already talked about, the people believed. And the people were also humbled and became thankful because God still cared for them. And then it says that they worshipped at the end of the verse. At verse 31, it says, and they bowed their heads and worshipped. Being reverent, literally bowing as they were in the presence of royalty. What we find here is that their future of deliverance would be brought about all because God's called person, Moses, surrendered completely to the work and did as he was told. What a great truth. With that alone, you could close up the Bible and we could have prayer and leave. But we're not going to do that because there's more, because if we skipped over a passage, a portion of this passage that we're going to go back and deal with right now, because I want you to understand that Moses said that he was going to do everything. And the Lord even encouraged him and said, go ahead and make sure you do it. I'm right here. I'm going to deliver it. 
do it. Moses saying, okay, goes, and once they get to Egypt, does exactly as it says, the Lord delivers exactly like he says. What we find here is interesting. As we think about all what we just read, what we, the truth that we kind of excavated a little bit, we notice that Moses and Aaron did all that God commanded. But there was a time of preparation that had to take place before God would allow Moses to serve in the role that he was called to. And much like my work as a young man, there was a moment where Moses had to come to grips with the magnitude of, of a mistake that he had made during this preparation. And his job was to follow all, to do and say all that God commanded. And he did that. But in between his sending and his presenting, there was a moment of preparation that took place, not between Moses and his notes, but between Moses and God and his soul. So when did he learn this? When did Moses really come to grips with this truth that he needed to follow all the instructions as it was stressed there in the end of this chapter? It's in verses 24, 25, and 26. And we'll read those now. If you look back down to your Bible, Exodus 4, 24, 25, and 26, we'll start reading. Now, the Lord had just got done giving Moses his second discourse and making sure everything was on the same page. We're all on the same page, right? Good. And it came to pass, by the way, in the inn, that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Pretty drastic, isn't it? The Lord just got done telling Moses everything. Moses, assured, I'm sure, said, yep, we're going to do it. They're, on this, they're already on their way. Of course he's going to do it. What is he going to do? Say, I don't know if I want to do that. Let's turn around and go back home. Nah, too late now. Too late. But they stopped for rest. And what, what we find here is that the Lord, the Lord came on him and sought to kill him. It's not that the Lord physically came on him as what, we've, as what I've studied out but that the Lord brought something to his mind and the reason that, he was, that the Lord was allowing the sickness, like in Job's life, was because of something that he forgot to do. We find that, what it was in verse 25, Zen Zipporah, Moses' wife, took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet and said, Surely a bloody husband thou art, art thou to me. So he, God, let him, Moses, so God let Moses go. Then she said, a bloody husband thou art because of the circumcision. The reason I'm preaching this message tonight is because I was reading through my Bible earlier in this past semester. And I caught, and this I was reading through and methodically just making my way through the Bible. And, it, and this part hit me, which I had never read before. And it worried me because I was like, what in the world is this? Because just reading those three verses seems crazy. Because we all know Moses as this man who trusted God, who, was, who ended up being such a staple of the faith and, being a, who, and was trusting God throughout and was obedient. And so many awesome things were done with, under his leadership because he simply trusted and followed God. But this was the point that maybe turned, it, turned his focus all around. Because Moses was almost killed because of his disobedience to God's covenant. Now, covenant is basically just a command and a promise combined. Command plus promise equals covenant. Both a command and a promise in their own right are important, but together, coming from God on high, most important thing that, you, that they could find at this point. God's covenant that they broke, with his, that, that Moses broke, was back in Genesis chapter 17. 
way long time ago, made it with Abraham. And it was the covenant of circumcision. And it was not just a rule like don't run by the pool or make sure you make your bed when you get up or don't chew with your mouth open. It wasn't just any old, old normal rule. It had a deep meaning and a significance. So why is a situation so important? Well, we, got to under, we have to understand really the historical context of it to really get a grasp of why this is important. As we already mentioned, Moses fled to the land of Midian after killing an Egyptian man, met his wife, they get married, they have a couple boys. At this point, they only had two boys. And the Jewish custom, as the covenant states in Genesis chapter 17, if you want to go read it, the Jewish custom was at eight years old that the man-child would be taken and be circumcised. And that was a Jewish custom. Moses, being a Jew, would have had that done to him. And... As the man of the household and the, matri- uh, the, the man being the ruler of the household, he was in charge of making sure that was set up and that he was getting that done. And then in Midian, they had free reign to do what they wanted. Yet we find Moses didn't do that. In Midian, though, the land of Midian, they did have some type of rule of circumcision. It wasn't really followed too well, studying it into it. But that didn't take place till they were, the boy was 13, if at all. It wasn't a deep, God didn't have a covenant with the the Midianitish people. So the sickness that came on Moses was because the the youngest son had not been circumcised. They had not followed all of God's commandments, all of God's commands. If not for Moses' wife, Moses would have perished. He would have died. So many more bad things would have happened. Moses' past disobedience is the reason for this weird situation. But we find that Sipporah, either by direct command from Moses, realizing what he had, realizing the mistake, or by her own quick wits, which um, you, if we asked, I'm sure the women in the room would be like, yes, she was really smart and really quick on her feet, and it was nothing of the man that helped the situation fix itself. But it was her own quick thinking, and she just does the deed, and just like that, the next verse says, Moses is better. And they finish, they go, present the message, and you know the rest. Egypt, uh, Israel's delivered out of Egypt, they get, and many, many, many more things follow after that, just as God promised. But practically speaking, we find that Zipporah did not hesitate to leave her customs and culture behind when they left that land. Zipporah had no problem with it. And, but Moses, we find... As I already mentioned, he should have done it a long time ago. But we find that Moses' mind seemingly still in Midian. His heart still in the land of Midian. And this would have never been an issue or dilemma had Moses just taken charge and followed all of God's commands. Even though they had just left Midian, Moses had not shaken the Midianite mindset. And that's why he was almost killed, why he almost died, but... Because he rectified the situation, fixed it, got everything right. They were able to continue on. God's people were delivered. But we do something like this as well. Not this literal same situation. But we do something like this. Where we allow the culture to shape how we think and how we, how we view our lives. How we live our lives. How we look upon other people. But Moses, the leader of God's people, found that that's the wrong way to live. 
living according to God's command. Not part of it, not most of it, not some of it, but all of it. And even though Moses knew about the circumcision, he did not live it out until it was necessary to. Until he had put that head knowledge into his heart, he was not going to be used. Moses had to come to a place where he started practicing what he believed. And that's really the truth that we find in this whole passage. That Moses was able to serve God because he began believing and living all God's commands. It's only after Moses began believing and living God's word that he was able to have success in life. That he was allowed to continue and free God's people. Now both, if you think about it, both preparation and training make us apply what we learn. It forces us to believe and follow all, not some. That's why the military has our basic training, and that's why they have different boot camps. That's why every place you go to work, that they're going to have some type of instructional video because they want you to understand what you're doing and why you're doing it and why it's important. So what do we find here? For us, we find that even though Moses was called by God, he forgot things. He forgot things that God said. He forgot promises, covenants, commands, things that were set in place by God years ago. And his lackadaisical oversight of the covenant from God almost cost him his life, his family's safety, and even more suffering for his kindred people. Now I'm sure that he had excuses in the moment years prior when his son was to that point of needing to be circumcised. I'm sure he had thoughts and excuses like many of us have, like it's not practical right now or it's going to inconvenience me, or it's not a big deal, or maybe it's because I'm exhausted from work, and maybe it's because the neighbors will think something and they'll start talking, and I don't want to have a bad reputation. But God doesn't call us to be convenient Christians. Whenever you get a new game, when you get a new piece of furniture, when you get a new toy, when you get a new piece of equipment, when you get a new whatever, a new electronic device, when you get anything... The first thing you do is you open it up, you look at it, you read the instructions, you figure out what it's supposed to do, how it's going to make your life better, and then you use it in, in your life. That's what you do. Any sensible person does that. But what good is it truly if you stop there and you don't use it? That you let it collect dust, that you don't even pick it up again. You don't use it or let it do what it was designed to do. Maybe you look at your life as a new Christian. You look at the Bible. And you read it intently for a while. And you try to glean things from it. But then you never apply it. It only lasts a short time. Then you start using it sparingly. You neglect it. You downplay the value of it, as we all do. And then it just becomes a decoration more than it is a centerpiece of our life like it should be. Or maybe you do read the Bible consistently, as I hope all of us do. And uh, you read it. You use it. You apply it. But like Moses, you fail to read and do all that God commanded. And we let our influences, like the culture, the worldview, popular opinion, people's slander, fear of persecution or having a, less, a lesser demeanor or pride or selfishness become what we follow and obey more than following God and his word, what he said. We let the most powerful thing in the world, in, in the world God's living word, sit dormant in our hearts, in our heads, on the shelf, on coffee tables, in our car, 
because we have excuses or we simply just don't want to put forth the work or the effort that's going to take to be prepared like God called us to be, to obey and follow like he wants us to. This is an instruction manual for life. It's for everybody, no matter the age, no matter the skin color, no matter where you were born, no matter how old you are, no matter if you're a male or a female, it doesn't matter who you are, where you're at in life, this is applicable to every single person on this earth. And it's an instruction manual on how to live our life. But instructions are not to be ignored. If instructions were important, this wouldn't be here. If this wasn't important to follow, this wouldn't be here. But we as people have become selective with God and his commands, like Moses did. Thinking maybe, yeah, I've got it all figured out. I even know what's right to say in Sunday school on Sunday. I know what I'm going to say when I go door to door knocking. I'm gonna, I know what to say. I know how to look. And everything's going to be okay. But you're not getting it. You're not following all like it's like we're commanded to. When in churches across the lands I've seen and even taken part of, sadly, this buffet-style Christianity where we go through and pick and choose what we want depending on the day and how we feel. And some days we're not hungry, so we don't touch it at all. And we pick and choose what we believe and apply in our lives, like our church, get, your church attendance, how much we give, when and if we tithe, how we love each other. Bible principles. We let different people's opinions uh, change our music standards, our dress standards, what our testimony is like in the community, how you raise your family. We neglect and pick and choose through God's commands on the relationship you're supposed to have with your spouse. Or we forget to take time in prayer and that we kind of pick and choose that prayer is not important today because I'm okay spiritually. We don't take as much time in God's word. We don't read it, let alone study it, try to memorize it and meditate on it like we're, like we're called to do. My plea for you tonight is are you believing and living all that God has for you? Are you letting God mold and prepare you for what is ahead? Because one day you may be called to a foreign field. You may be called to move states because you need to help a struggling church. Or you may be just simply being asked of the God's pricking your heart saying, hey, you need to get involved. And you're saying, I don't know how. And God says, let's start with opening the doors and shaking hands on Sunday mornings. And extending a friendly hand of, 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 invite, of friendliness and saying, I'm glad you're here. Welcome to Eastside Baptist Church. It might not be something big, but he might be helping you. To, he might be calling you to help in the Sunday school class. He might be helping you, uh, asking you to readjust your focus of church and how much you're involved in it. And you might be serving in some capacity right now, and you might think that you're okay. But the Lord is trying to get your attention because you are not following all. Just because you think you are following all does not mean that you actually are. Moses trusted that he had prepared everything correctly, but it was only a facade. He was just wearing the right tie. He was, had the right color shoes that matched his belt. He made sure he had the purses and nails to match his outfit. He made sure that he was on time to church. He was made sure he showed up for choir practice. He made sure that he was giving like he was supposed to. He was following, quote unquote, all. His version of all. 
He followed his instructions, his own set of ideas, instead of, instead of letting God direct his life in all areas. Our life as Christians is a life of service, not to man, but to God. Uh, not, to, not to man, but for God. But because we live to serve as Christians, we won't be able to serve God until we start living and believing all of God's word. We will not be able to ever serve God like we, and obtain the things and do the things like we're supposed to until we start living and believing all, capital A-L-L, of God's word. Not some, not most, not a lot of it, all of it. So as we close, the question I'm going to leave you with is, are you taking all that God says as truth and applying it correctly? Or are you just following the parts that seem convenient for your life at the moment, that are popular, that won't cause problems? Eventually, after two chapters, as I mentioned, Moses finally gave in and said, yeah, I'll go and do what you want, Lord. But then one last time, the Lord had to get his attention and said, are you, are you really following all? Not most, all. And he had to readjust and commit himself again. But later we find in Moses' life that he trusted God in every situation, that he obeyed every commandment, and that he was, lived a long and prosperous life that a lot of us model our lives after. He was a great leader, all because he learned to follow all. Joy and blessings begin in our lives when we start believing and living all of God's commands, not just the ones that we find convenient. In 2 Timothy 3, chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 16, it says, All scripture, not some, not most, not a little bit of it, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Like I said before, the Bible is not a buffet. So quit being a picky eater, Christian. Quit coming to church and picking and choosing what you, want to, what you want to take home, what you want to apply. God didn't create you to be a selective Christian, a convenient Christianity. So are you going to be a picky Christian or are you going to be an all Christian? Are you going to be a 490 church member? Are you going to be a friend to God with a capital F? I don't know what God may be working in your heart with tonight, but I'm telling you, he's, no matter who you are or where you are, he, he's calling you to be all in. Because one little oversight could be detrimental. God's calling you to follow all the instructions. Follow everything from, by, from cover to cover, every jot, every tittle. It's inspired. You can prepare everything right in your own eyes, but still fail miserably like I did. And be unfit to serve because you neglected to follow all. Perhaps God has confronted you because you have not followed all in the past. And the question now is how will you respond? How will you respond tonight? For both scenarios, no matter where you are in life, are you going to cut out the sin and accept all? And let's bow our heads and pray. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.